Hey everyone. It's, uh, it's amazing how fast the song service goes when you're, up, you're the next one up to preach. Like, uh, can we do that again? I'm really enjoying the song service today. Obviously, I'm a little nervous. I had to um, get the, uh, I had to dig through some boxes because, you know, we moved and uh, I preached once here, but then I put my preaching hat away for a while. I had to dig through some dusty boxes, pull that again, shake it out, put it back on and get ready to uh, deliver the word of God to you. I don't take it lightly and I, I Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me the opportunity to, to preach. Um, this is the Word of God, and I figure um, the worst I can do is just get up here and read the Bible a little bit, and you guys will be blessed, and you can go home and say, hey, we got something from the Word of God today. And so hopefully I'll give you a little bit more than that. Uh, it's something that God's laid on my heart lately that uh, I, I just want to share with you, maybe to be an encouragement. Um, Pastor mentioned ordination, and uh, that's, a, that's a huge uh, blessing and responsibility, and I don't take that lightly either. And so uh, Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, he was also ordained. Uh, he was ordained to preach uh, at the church of Ephesus. And so that's where we're going to be tonight, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you turn your Bibles there, um, I'll wait till I hear some page turning stops, and then we will read, unless you've got your Bible phones out and you're ready to go. I hear a few pages going, so I'll, I'll wait a second. Everybody kept asking me or telling me, hey, we're excited to, to hear you preach tonight. Hey, you know, you're going to do a great job. And I, just, I kept telling people, hey, keep your expectations low, okay? Keep your expectations low. Um, I, I'm going to of myself, too. And uh, I don't, it's hard because you, you want to do a good job. And it's nice to hear, hey, you did, you did great. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about the Word of God. And it's about being encouraged by the Word of God and, and living for Christ. We want to give our lives uh, to the glory of God. And so if I can help you do that tonight, uh, that would be a blessing to me. Um, let's see, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read real quick, and then we'll open in prayer, and then we'll, we'll dive in. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight, uh, to deliver your holy and precious word. I know that it, the power is not in me, and I ask for your help tonight uh, as I preach your precious word. I, I pray, Father, that you encourage my heart as you, as, as you already have. Um, I pray you encourage my heart tonight and give me, give me energy, give me focus as I uh, have an opportunity to do this. And I pray uh, for the hearers tonight, Lord. Uh, that you would just uh, use this uh, in their lives to help them live more for you, to, help, to give you glory with their lives. I know we, we're dealing with many Christians here tonight, and that's, that's mainly the audience. And so, Father, I pray that uh, they would just be inspired um, to endure uh, for you, as Paul uh, is telling Timothy to endure in the ministry uh, at the Church of Ephesus. So I pray you just use it tonight uh, to burden our hearts for you in a great way, and that many people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of our faithfulness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So I just want to set the stage a little bit. Um, Second Timothy, uh, this book was written by Paul. Uh, it was written by Paul, who, a little bit of life of Paul, who was, um, he was in prison when he, when he wrote this uh, epistle, and he was writing to pastor of Ephesus Church, Timothy, and he says, my dear son, uh, he had a, a lot of strong affection uh, towards Timothy as his son in the faith. And Timothy, or Paul had been going through probably about, I would say, 30 years of ministry at this time. Uh, shortly after uh, Christ was resurrected, Paul began his ministry. And then you're talking, this book was written around, you know, 60, late 60s uh, AD. So you're, you're looking at almost 30 years of ministry of Paul. We know Paul's life wasn't an easy one as a Christian. And so he's really uh, going, going through this text. He's kind of sharing some things with Paul about endurance, about uh, perseverance. And I, I titled the, uh, the message tonight, The Perspective of Perseverance. The Perspective of Perseverance. Because a lot of times we want to get, our perspective gets off. And we need to maintain the right perspective to, be, to live an effective Christian life. And I want you to live effective Christian lives. And I want to live an effective Christian life. But I think to do that, we're going to have to have a mindset of perseverance. And that's what, that's what uh, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to do, is to have that mindset of perseverance. And so, um, Paul, I mean, he's in prison writing this. Still, he has the heart of encouragement uh, to Timothy, uh, which, is, which is an awesome thing. But a, a little bit of, um, we, we think that this is probably Paul's last letter as well. Uh, he, he was taken prisoner by Nero. He's in prison, and he alludes to, uh, in 2 Th- Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 or 8, that it's going to be the end of his life. Uh, we, we understand that uh, Paul was most likely beheaded uh, not long uh, after he wrote this letter. We don't know how long he was in prison there with Nero. But a- anyway, um, a little bit about Paul. I mean, I pulled up 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 11, where, where Paul is kind of given a they're, they're, they're fighting over who's, who's done the most in the flesh. And Paul gives a little bit, oh, you want to talk about who's done the most in the flesh? Well, let, let me tell you. And he says, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice suffered a shipwreck. Uh, a night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often. And perils of waters. And perils of robbers. And perils of mine own countrymen. And perils by the heathen. And perils in the city. And perils in the wilderness. And perils in the sea. And perils among false brethren. And weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings often, and cold, and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Paul kind of saying, hey, look, (laughs) I've been through it a lot of stuff in the flesh. And I've endured a lot of things. I've, I've persevered. I think, <laughs> if I look back at verse 24, and it says, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, I think the first time I received 40 stripes, they'd be like, whoa, hold on a second. Man, this is hard. Um, we, don't we do that sometimes in our lives? We, uh, maybe we're not even receiving stripes. Uh, we get in a car accident. And we're like, why, God, are you doing this to me? And so uh, we maybe need a little bit of encouragement uh, to persevere, persevere in the faith. And we look at Paul's life. I'm, I'm super, um, 
not, I'm not discouraged, but I'm just like, I'm convicted. I look at his life and I go, man, uh, I don't think I'm doing enough. I, I feel like a, if you look at uh, 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, it says, those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I mean, when I first saw that verse, I'm like, wow, am I, am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? Because I don't know if I'm receiving enough persecution in my life. Uh, I was in Cambodia at the time on a missions trip, and uh, those guys, they do suffer some persecution over there. Uh, I watch those Christians over there. People get saved over there. It's not j- getting saved, one thing. Uh, it's it's kind of like they, they believe in so many gods that you kind of just, you can add gods to the shelf. But getting baptized was a whole other deal. Um, that was, hey, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Why? Because not, you're not just putting Jesus on the shelf with a bunch of other gods when, when you get saved. But when you get baptized, you're basically taking all the other things off the shelf and leaving only Jesus. And when you do that over there, you, to the exclusivity of everything else, that's when they go, okay, you know what? You can't be one of my, you can't be my family anymore. You can't live in this house anymore. People would come to church beaten, literally beaten by their families. They would throw all their stuff out, um, things like that. I look at those kind of things, and I'm just like, wow. The, the, and I, and I, you, come back, you come back to America, some of the churches, and people are complaining about some of the silliest things. Uh, I've been to different villages and, and Asian countries and seen just the, the little people deal with. And, man, we're so blessed. And I think sometimes we're so blessed. Uh, we, we, it's like living in the air conditioning. Um, <laughs> you, you get used to the air conditioning. And then you move to Hawaii, you buy a house with no air conditioning. And you're like, man, I really miss the air conditioning, right? But you get, then you just kind of get used to living without air conditioning. You open the windows. I like, it's like I live in a big tree house. And it's, it's okay. It's cool. <laughs> so, but again, I, I, when, I look at all, when I look at all these things and I ponder all these things, it makes, me, uh, it makes me want to do more for the cause of Christ. And as Paul's going through, and he's talking about his life, uh, he, he has an opportunity here as he's writing this second letter to Timothy of just putting courage in him. That's what it means to encourage somebody. You're going to put courage in them. And you're going to help them. Hey, look, I've been through that. Let me tell you, here's what, here's what we do. Here's how you can live an effective Christian life. Many of us struggle with that right perspective um, and, and keeping us on, on track. And there's some detractors, right? Uh, what, what keeps us from doing that sometimes? I think being able to define success in our lives, uh, what does success look like? Uh, you know, for me, uh, success would look like, I mean, even before I was in full-time ministry, hey, uh, what can I do for the cause of Christ? Can I, can I share my faith at work? Can I raise my kids uh, to know the Lord, uh, to follow Jesus? Um, can, I, can I lead my family in devotions and prayer time and have them in church where they need to be? And if, if all that works out at the end of my life and I can look back and I can have no regrets for the things I did for Christ, and for me, that would be success. And, I, and fortunately, I had an opportunity to work in full-time ministry, but that, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't count those things as success. So, but we often define other things like, how much money do I have? How big is my house? And those kind of things. And uh, can I live somewhere where I agree with everyone? Um, and that's really just, it, it's anti-Bible, if, if you think about it. Um, that's, that's just not what they did. They went to places where it was hard to reach people. They went to places where nobody's heard about Jesus. They went to places where it wasn't fun to live. Um, but they did it for the cause of Christ, and that was their main goal. They wanted to glorify Jesus with their lives, and whether it, it meant death or it meant suffering, persecution, they wanted to do that for the cause of Christ. How do we define success? Um, 
we want, we want to work hard for the wrong thing sometimes. Um, doing, doing the right thing is hard. Uh, we've, we fear if we do the right thing, God may not come through. If I, if I, if I decide to do the right thing, God just may not, he, he, he may not decide to, to answer my prayers. He might, not, he might not take care of me. Um, bad things, bad things happen. What do we do when bad things happen? Do we, do we lose our perspective for perseverance when bad things happen? We go, yeah, something bad happened to me, so I'm really going to kind of dial back my life for Jesus. Expectations aren't met. We have, we have preconceived notions or expectations in our minds of how we think life should look. Hey, when I'm at this stage of my life, this is what my life should look like. And it doesn't look like that. And you're going, well, Jesus, I, I served you. I did, everything, I did everything you wanted me to do. Why, why does my life not look like that? It's what I want. And really, that's why, because it's what you want, not what he wants. What gives him the most glory? You don't see the need for the struggle. You see, what's the purpose? Is it worth it? So I know it kind of, I know it kind of digs in a, a little bit, probably. It does to me as I read these things and as I study these things. It, it, does, it digs in me a little bit, too. Am I doing it? I always ask myself that question. But I don't think many of us will come out right out and say, hey, yeah, that's me. But do we show it in how we live? And when things get hard, how, how, are, how are we, how are you going to persevere for Jesus? How will you respond? I think the answer lies in how we keep our perspective, where we, where we maintain our perspective. Do we have a perspective of perseverance in our life? And uh, tonight in our text, Paul gives us three different examples of perseverance. Uh, he goes through some practical examples. I thought it was really great for practical Christianity. And it's very practical things to think about, to ponder. And at the end of verse 7, he said, hey, consider these things that I've told you. And so... In order to have that effective Christian life, um, we have to be willing to, to work hard, to persevere um, for the cause of Christ. And so often we're willing to do that for worldly things, but are we willing to do it for spiritual things? Are we willing to do it for the cause of Christ? So with all that being said, um, I want to jump into first point here is to keep the right perspective, we must draw strength from the proper source. Verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right here, where is he saying to get your strength from? He's saying to get your strength from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We were talking earlier, and I thought of another good thing about grace. We, the grace we have in Christ Jesus first, if you're, if you're a saved, born-again child of God, the grace you have first is forgiveness. We live in forgiveness. If, if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, you believe uh, that he died on the cross for your sin, hey, you made that exchange. We placed our sin on him, and we received his righteousness. So God doesn't look at our sin anymore. He looks at Jesus' righteousness. If you believe that he died on the cross, and he was raised again three days later, and, and you're a saved, born-again Christian, you've received that grace of forgiveness. That's a source of strength that you can live in. You can live in that forgiveness. And what Jesus did, we, we sang songs about it. He, he defeated death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, hell, where is thy victory? We can live in that victory. He defeated that for us. We have that grace of forgiveness. We can find strength to stand up in that forgiveness, in that grace that's already been given us. The victory has already been won. We can stand and we can persevere in that grace. We can draw our strength from that. We also have to remember, Paul drew his strength from the same source. 
He gives us many examples. Uh, even later on in, in chapter 4, he says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And he even says, That by me the preaching might be fully known. Well, he was first strengthened by the Lord that the preaching would be fully known. He didn't go into it in his own strength. And that's what I'm talking about next is we can't rely on our own strength. Paul didn't rely on his own strength. We can't do that. We have to rest in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's where we find our strength. Uh, Verse 18, he continues on. He says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Uh, Ephesians 6.10, great chapter. Finally, my brethren, what does it say? Be strong in the Lord and the power of of his might. Philippians 4.13, you guys know that one. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. First Timothy 1.12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, who has strengthened me, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul drew his strength from the proper source. Paul drew his strength from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But again, it, takes, it also took action on Paul's part, right? What did Paul have to do? He had to obey, right? He had to obey. He had to, he had to stand. If, if he didn't obey and stand and come and draw from the strength and the grace that is in Christ Jesus, God would not have put more grace into him to, to do the task. And that's the thing. The, the strength that allows us to persevere in the work of the ministry is this grace, living in the victory of forgiveness, living in the victory of forgiveness. Uh, think of... I think of Peter uh, when I when I kind of when I think of this, because um, we often we we get distracted, right? Uh, but we, there's still action. So the disciples take Jesus tells them, "Hey, go on the Sea of Galilee. Go to the other side. I'll meet you over there." They get they get in the boat. They go across. They run to a big storm, right? And they're all scared. And then they see, what is that? Is that a spirit on the water? Oh no, it's me, Jesus. Oh, thank goodness. We thought it was a spirit. And so Paul's like, "Hey, Peter, can I come out there?" And he's like, "Yeah, come on out." So Peter steps out of the boat, boom, he's on water, right? He's walking, he looks around, the storm's crazy, the waves are going, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and what he started doing? Oh, no, he starts sinking. He says, Jesus, help me. Puts his hand out, Jesus helps him. They get back in the boat, and Jesus says, what does he say, what does he say to the disciples? Oh, you have little faith. He's like, why do you doubt? Oh, you have little faith. Don't we do that so often? We, we forget about, hey, we have, we have the access to the strength. We can step out of the boat on the water, right? We have the access to that power. We have access to God that way through the victory, through, through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But what do we, we often, we, you, I think of when I first got saved. Man, I was on fire for the Lord, right? Everything in the Bible was like, oh, this is great. Oh, this, this is so good. This is awesome. And I was sharing the gospel before I even knew what outreach was. And I was like, hey, you guys got to read this stuff. Um, at work, uh, sharing the gospel with my coworkers, all those kind of things. I was on fire for the Lord. But sometimes as we, as we live our Christian life for a while, you, you, you kind of you lose that flame sometimes. Uh, it doesn't, it's not as impactful in your life as it, as it first was. And you, like, you're ready. Like, I'm going to step out in that water. I'm going to be like Peter, man. I'm going to go. And then you start looking around at the storms of life. And you let those trials kind of sink in. And you're just like, and you start, and you start sinking. And you lose your effectiveness for the cause of Christ because you're not, you're not drawing from the right source. You're not drawing from the grace that is in Jesus. The victory's already been won, and we can, we can receive that grace. We can receive that victory. We can live in that. Um, but we can't rely on our own strength. Also, receiving grace once for salvation doesn't mean you're done receiving grace. 
we, we get saved, we live in that victory, but it continues, right? It continues. Uh, we know in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, for by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. We have, we have that faith. We're saved, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Praise God. Second, Second Corinthians 12, 9, Paul He's suffering from a thorn in the flesh, or we, we say a, a thorn in the flesh. Uh, we don't really know what it was, but he had an infirmity, right? And he asked, he asked God three times, hey, can you take this infirmity from me? And we, I think many of us know the answer. What, what did he say? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I think often we try to stand on our own strength, right, we, we lose the effectiveness. We lose the sufficiency of the grace that is in Christ because we're not weak. We're not weak. When I first got saved, I understood, hey, I'm so weak. I'm so new. I know absolutely nothing, but I know the power of God. I know the power of God that saved me, and I, and I just want to tell everybody about that. I want everybody to know about that. I mean, I was living in the grace of God, and nobody could stop me. And, but again, as you go on, I start... I start understanding the Bible. Hey, things get a little better. Life is good. I start depending on my own strength. And I forget about the grace that was in Christ Jesus in the beginning, that, he can, that he's still the same God. I can still draw from that strength. I don't have to depend on myself. I don't want to depend on myself because why? If I depend on myself, Jesus' strength is made weak in me. And I don't want that. I want Jesus, I want Jesus to be strong in me. I want his strength. Mine's not, good. Mine's not good enough. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so he was going to keep Paul in a position of weakness because he knew Paul was going to always run to him. Paul was going to need him. We've got we to keep ourselves in a place where we need Christ. We need Jesus every day on a daily basis. And we've got to count on, we got to depend on the grace that he offers and not our own strength. We can't do it. We're not capable. We're not capable of doing it. Hey, let me tell you, I'm not capable of standing up here talking to you. I was scared to death to get up here tonight and talk to you. I haven't done it in a while, but, but again, God laid something on my heart and I wanted to do it, but, but I don't want to do it out of my own strength. I want, I want God to get the glory. And hey, I figure if I just say the Jesus Christ's name enough and I just tell the gospel, hey, hopefully somebody will get saved or you'll be encouraged. But um, I want to do it in, in his strength, in his strength. We know this is a continuing strength that we have to gain. We look at Ephesians 6, and it talks about the armor of God. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And what does it tell you to do? It says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why do I got to put on this armor? Because I'm not strong enough to stand against the wiles of the devil. I can't do it. If I try to do it without the armor, I'm going to get destroyed. The devil's much stronger than I am. But if I put on the things that God's told me to put on, then I'll be strong. Then I can defend, right? Because we often lose a perspective, too, that uh, we, we don't just war against things that we can see, right? It says here, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hey, there's, there's other forces at work that we can't see that we're in a battle with. 
And we need grace. We need the grace of Jesus. We have to be strong in that grace to fight that battle. If we weaken, we're going to give Satan a foothold in our lives. We're going to become less effective for the cause of Christ. With this grace-filled strength, we're called to teach others. Here he says, thou, ther- thou therefore, my son, we know, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful man who shall be able to teach others also. Now, what the, the, ap- the I don't say application, the, um, can we help me here? The interpretation of this text here really is uh, Paul is talking to the pastor of the church saying, hey, look, I've ordained you in this church, but we want to start other churches. We want to ordain more people to go start more churches, okay? Uh, but the application can be towards us as well, towards Christians in the church. And so uh, with this, now we, now we have this renewed strength. We have this grace. We understand, hey, I'm saved by grace through faith, and I, I live by grace uh, every day. I need the strength of God. I've got to put on the whole armor of God. And now I have this, and now I understand this. I can't just sit here and do nothing. How silly would that be if we're in a battle, we put on a bunch of armor, and we just sit there in the tent? No, we gotta, we get, we're in a battle. We've got to go out and fight, right? And so we're in this battle. So with this grace-filled strength, we're called to teach others. I've got to teach others about this battle. I've got to teach others how to fight. I've got to teach others how to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. And we see that we know uh, Matthew 28, 19, right? The Great Commission. What do you say? Go, therefore, and what? Teach. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. We have a command from Jesus to teach. And this is kind of like one of those words you see. He says, go. Go is not a request. Go is a command. We see shall. Shall is not a request. It's not should. It's a command. We, it's something you have to do. Something in, in the, when I was in the Navy, I had a lot of tech manuals. I'm, I'm, I scan through and I look for shall. Oh, those are things I have to do. You know, you see should, you're like, hmm, I kind of stuff for interpretation. I don't necessarily have to do that. The shalls, I have to do that. I'll get in trouble if I don't. But again, when you first get saved, you don't know anything except you're filled with spirit and you have that fire and you want to go out and do it. But again, live in the grace that is in Christ Jesus every day. Put on the full armor of God. Understand you're in a battle. Understand that we're called to teach others. We're called to share this. Paul's just encouraging Timothy. Hey, look. You can't sit back. We're in a battle. Um, we have work to do. We got to persevere. We got to accomplish the work. And now he's going to give a few examples on how we do that, how we persevere, just practical examples. And so uh, in verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So to keep the right perspective, we must have the discipline of a good soldier. I love the fact that Paul. Paul pointed out a good soldier. He didn't say, have the discipline of a soldier. Because we know there's, there's soldiers who aren't good, and there's soldiers who are good, right? And so I wasn't a soldier. I was in the Navy, world's finest Navy. All right, come on, come on. <laughs> I got a lot of Air, Air Force going to attack me as soon as the church is over. I'm, out, I'm outnumbered here. <laughs> um, I, did, I did do some soldiering, I guess, if you will. You know, I did a lot of expeditionary type stuff, and I understood, I understood what it meant uh, to be a good soldier. What is a good soldier? A good soldier is one who agrees to and adheres to the rules set before him no matter what the cost. 
I'll say it again. A good soldier is one who agrees to and adheres to the rules set before him, no matter what the cost is. And so, what does a good soldier do then? Well, Paul says here, Thou therefore endure hardness. A good soldier endures in the fight. A good soldier endures in the fight. A good soldier doesn't, doesn't tuck tail and run when things get hard. He perseveres. He understands the mission, and he wants to accomplish that mission. We understand Paul, Paul correlates a lot of things in the Bible. He says, there's a lot of things about warfare uh, in the Bible. He says a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou uh, by them mightest war a good warfare. He's called to fight. And I know as Christians we want to, we get, we get this idea as like, you know, we're very passive. Uh, we got to sit back and just, you know, we're the quiet ones in the room and you know, we're not going to say much and we're just going to, we're just going to observe and watch and we're just going to be nice and we're going to wave to people and be friendly. But that's not really what he's calling him to do. He says, endure hardness as a good soldier. A good soldier is going to charge to the heat of the battle. He's going to look where the most need is. He's going to go there, and he's going to fight. He's not going to look for a way out. He's not going to look for an easy path. He sees somebody in trouble. He's going to run there, and he's going to help them out. He knows his task. He knows what his job is. He knows what he's been trained to do. We've been, we've been trained. You guys, you guys sit here, uh, hopefully, every week, um, and you hear good Bible preaching. You have a pastor who does a phenomenal job at, at preaching and teaching God's Word. He understands it uh, thoroughly, and he does a great job of communicating it practically where we can understand it and we can apply it to our lives. But still, what do we have to do? We have to apply it to our lives, right? And so in that aspect of applying it to our lives, uh, we're called, in a sense, he's giving us a charge every week. As we hear the Word, we have to, we're, get, we're given a charge to go and do something with that. Uh, the question is, are we doing anything with it? Well, he's not just getting up there to talk. It's not a speech. It's, it's a call. It's a call to do something with what you've heard. And, so, and he always gives very practical illustrations, very practical tips on, hey, if you're going to do this, here's how you do it. Here's what you need to do. All we've got to do is do it. Stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and do it. Persevere. Have that perspective. Endure like a soldier. Endure in the fight. And if we're not willing to separate from the cares of this life, We'll never know how God may have used us. So I thought that was really great. I just, I, I kind of just, I, as, I was, as I was reading this text, um, I, thought of, I thought of a few people in the Bible. Because how often, I mean, the, do we let the cares of this life just overtake us, um, squelch our, our passion for the Lord? Um, the cares of this life distract us from doing uh, what we know is right from living, for living for the Lord and, and proclaiming Jesus in our lives. And being that example that we need to be, the cares of this life, can, can distract me from being the dad that I need to be. The cares of this life can distract me from being the husband I need to be. I have great responsibilities at home. But I thought of a few, few people. I thought of Samson. I mean, he was the first one that came to my mind. I, I, don't, you, I, I can't tell you what would have happened, obviously, if they would have done what was right, but they had an opportunity to do some great things for God. They had some great gifts for God, but they used it in a wrong way. I often think that um, 
we listen to great, we listen to, you know, there's some great singers out there. You know, I think of like my daughter likes listening to Whitney Houston. She's like, I love her. I love Whitney Houston's voice. And, and I just can't, when I hear that voice, I'm thinking, man, that it is such a great voice. But when I think of the way she can sing and how, what God gave her, how much more could she do for the cause of Christ? I mean, I know God doesn't, he, he doesn't need her, but he has, he's given her a special gift, and she could use it for the cause of Christ. And, man, what a, what a wasted talent that was. What a wasted talent. And, and often uh, I meet people who uh, maybe they feel called to the ministry, but they don't, they don't submit to it. I think if God's calling you to do something, you have a talent for him, you can do something. For, I know everybody has something they can do for him. How often do we waste that? How often do we ignore that? It comes up, we, it creeps in, we're like, yeah, but I got this house. I got this job. Mm, I can't leave my family. I can't go without air conditioning. <laughs> are you, are, do we have the heart? Are we willing to separate from the cares of this life? so that God can use us to the, to the greatest ability that he's designed us for? He's, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for you. If you don't fulfill that purpose, he's going to find another way. His will will be done. It may not be you doing it. Maybe something, somebody else. But how great is it to be used by God that way? I mean, some of the greatest, most joyous times of my life have been when I have an opportunity to share the Gospels and they, they receive Jesus. You know, you just want to just shout. You want to be hallelujah, praise God. I just want to say that. It's like, this is awesome. Sometimes I just sit in there in prayer, and I look out, and I look at God's creation. I'm like, hallelujah, praise God for this. Praise God for my family. Praise God. He's so good. I just want to live for him. I want to do things for him because that's where you get the most contentment. That's where you get the most joy. That's where you get the most peace in your life. We, we run to all these other things thinking that we're going to get it somewhere else, but the only way we're, the only way we're going to find it is to do what God's called us to do. So, what, what are you missing out on? What did Samson miss out on? What did, what did Abraham miss out on? Hey, God fulfilled some great things in Abraham's life. But then he, then he went and had another child out of God's will. And then we have a whole nation of people who don't follow God and who are going to be against God's people forever until, until Jesus comes back. Moses. I mean, Moses could have t- taken the people across the, the Jordan to the promised land. He got upset, he struck the rock twice, did, did opposite of what God told him to do, and God punished him for that. But how, often, how awesome would it have been to, to continue reading the next book of Moses and how he drove all the people out of the promised land? I don't know. We might not have thought of anything different then, but we know now. It's great, it's great to read about Joshua. I love reading about Joshua and his faithfulness. But what, what could have been if Moses would have been faithful? What could have been if King Saul would have been faithful? What could have been if David would have obeyed and been faithful? What could, what could, have, what could the Israelites have done? How, how much more of an impact for Gentiles could they have made in our world? How many more people could have got saved because of that? I just think of the, God, God wants to use you. Don't, don't squelch that in your life. You, you, we don't know what the blessings we're missing out when we sin. That's often when, I, when, I, when I'm tempted, tempted to sin, I often think of what, what blessings from God am I giving up because of this? Also, we see a good soldier has a desire to please his commander. It says, um, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier 
of Jesus Christ, no man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Speaking of Joshua, I go back. Joshua had an opportunity to encounter Christ as his commander. Pretty cool. Uh, Joshua 5.14, and he said, Nay, this is Jesus talking to him, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? He's going to give Joshua some commands of what to do. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Do you have that desire to please Jesus in your life? I think you do. But often, again, what we're talking about is, are you enduring hardness? Because God doesn't always call us an easy life. He calls us a hardness sometimes. And when we do, and we, we get off track of uh, the things that he's calling us to do, uh, we're, not, we're not pleasing our commander. Uh, Romans 8, 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're doing something opposite of what God wants you to do, if you're doing something opposite of what the Bible tells you to do, you're walking in the flesh. And if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. We see Christ as our captain. Christ is our commander. And we can't please him if we're walking in the flesh. How do we please him? Good question. We please him, Hebrews 11:6. but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you have faith? What does it take to persevere? Faith. Do you have faith? Are you willing to obey? That, that perspective of perseverance takes faith. We have to continue to have the right faith to move forward to walk in the glory of Jesus Christ. Because we're not going to please our commander if we don't have faith. All right, verse 5. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strives, strive lawfully. To keep the right perspective, we must train as an athlete. So here he's really talking, uh, he makes a lot of illustrations uh, in Hebrews, uh, in Corinthians. He talks about racing. He talks about, uh, kind of alludes to some, something we would know as the Olympic Games um, or the Isthmus Games, the Greek Games. They used to play, they used to run like marathons, they used to wrestle and different things like that. They would have games. But are we willing to train? What is an, how does an athlete that trains for those things, how does he train? What does he do? He's, he's disciplined, right? He's super, super disciplined. He perseveres through hardship. When things get hard, um, we, we probably shouldn't use any more CrossFit illustrations because there's always CrossFit haters out there. But we, you know, we love CrossFit, right? <laughs> and so we, we, we enjoy it. Um, there's a, there's a few of us in here. Who do cross, Alex does not like CrossFit. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. One of these days we're going to get him in there. <laughs> but if you're going to if you're going to be good at it, there's there's a lot of different aspects of it. You know, there's uh, there's the Olympic lifting portion. There's there's strength. There's gymnastics. There's a lot of different things. So if you want to be good at any of those things, you have to practice. You have to try. You have to you have to put forth a lot of effort. Um, to, do, to do good. You have to endure hardship. You have to persevere in that exercise if you want to do good at if you want to be good at it. Just like these athletes, they would, they would do everything to train towards this one goal. And there's no way I could, I could go to the CrossFit Games. And it's not because I'm not in good shape, okay? <laughs> no, I would never make it to the CrossFit Don't worry, I would never make it out of my gym. 
Um, but uh, what, do they, what do they have to do? They, they spend their entire life, their, their whole day and life is structured around one thing, making it to the CrossFit Games and winning. Everything they eat is measured out. Their sleep, it's all measured out. They're, they do like three workouts a day, every single day, and they, re- they have rest time, and they do all these things. Like Their whole life is geared towards that. And I often think, what if a Christian lived like that? Amen. What if we lived like that? Will, will we turn the world upside down? The disciples did. That was their everything, right? They, they're doing what Paul is telling Timothy, train as an athlete. And as an athlete, we must have a we must focus on the, a single focus on the prize. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. You, you, fi- you, you fix this prize in your mind, and then that becomes your single focus. Wh- what is our single focus? Our single focus is giving glory to Christ, giving glory to God. So how do we do that? Well, 1 Corinthians 9.24, know, know you not they which run in a race, Run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. What does that mean? Run so that you may obtain. Hey, run like you're going to be first place. Run like you're going to win the prize. You're going to keep that in mind. You're going to train. You're going to run. Like that is the sole purpose and thing in your life that you want to do. You want to give glory to Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how we should live. That's what we should do with our lives. And then what do you get? Well, it's okay to get rewards. I know you hear <laughs> Jesus, the Bible talks about us getting rewards. I mean, Pastor talked about this morning, our life's going to be measured in, earth, in heaven. There's, there's going to be a fire, and what's, what's not for, for the cause of Christ is wood, hay, and stuff, what's going to burn. But, you know, silver, gold, precious stones, they're going to they're gonna last. Like, is, is that where, are we trying to build those, those treasures in heaven? Or is most of our life wood, hay, and stubble? It's something to think about, something to ponder. Paul says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only me, but, un- but unto them also that love his appearing. Hey, it's okay to strive for a crown because we're doing it for the right purpose. Yeah, I'm not just trying to get a crown to wear on my head and they go, look at me. But I'm doing it for the cause of Christ. And God does give us rewards for that, and that's okay. One day we're going to be able to cast them at his feet for what he's done for us. We also must be willing to struggle even when we can't see an immediate benefit. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's toilsome. It takes work. It's hard. It's not easy. Uh, you, you have to train. You have to endure. You have to persevere. You have to fight. Um, it, it's just not easy. Um, verse, 1 Corinthians, continuing on, 9.25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. So they're doing it. They're, they're in these games, their single focus is to win the prize. But again, is our single focus Christ? Do we want to, do we, are we fighting for the incorruptible crown? If not, why? First uh, Corinthians 9.26, I, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I as one, uh, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not, I'm not fighting in vain, right? I'm running certainly for this prize because I, this is my single focus, and we must play by the rules so we don't become disqualified. Um, it says here, if a man strive for masteries, 
Yet is he not crowned, and says, except he strive lawfully. This one stands out to me, uh, continuing on in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 27 says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is he saying? I keep my body, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. He's really saying, like, that's the idea of, like, giving yourself black eyes. That's really kind of what, the, what, it, what it alludes to. It's like, I punch myself in the face to keep my body in subjection, so I keep doing the right thing because I want to win the prize. Lest by any means, when I preach to others, when, I, when others see my life, when I tell others about Jesus Christ, I become disqualified because I've let something creep into my life that shouldn't be there. Another illustration he gives us to keep the right perspective, we must have the work ethic of a farmer. Verse 6, it says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Really what that means is uh, we must be willing to put in the work if we want the results. We must be willing to put in the work if we want the results. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. If you're not sharing the gospel, nobody's going to get saved. If you're sharing the gospel with almost everyone you meet, I guarantee you someone's going to get saved. What are you doing? You're sowing seed. You're grabbing handfuls of seed and you're throwing it out. You're not just grabbing one seed and it's like, boop, that one there, boop, that one there. Hope that does, hope that does something. No, you're just like, you're, you're, you're digging into the bag, man. You're, you're just throwing seed out there everywhere and you're hoping you're going you're to hit some good soil. And look, look for the good soil. Spread that seed out there. Be willing to put in the work if you want the results. Same thing in your Christian life, like I said before. If you're not willing to put in the work uh, of, in your Christian life, of being faithful to Christ, you're not going to see his blessings. We, we want God's blessings, but we're not willing to do the things it takes to get the blessings. You know, I, read your Bible. Pray. Come to church. Those are some very basic things to, get, to begin seeing God's blessings in your life. You've got to be willing to put in the work to get the results. God doesn't bless first, and then you do something for him later. It's just not how it works, because it's not by faith. When I, uh, when I was first, I was called in the ministry, I believe, uh, after I first got saved, I was like about 24 years old. And I was, I was kind of talked out of it. My, my, my first church, my pastor was like, yeah, it's really tough. A lot of people don't, don't really make it, young guys like you. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm just going to determine. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to have my family in church. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to share the gospel with people I work with. And if God wants something to happen, he'll bring something along. Well, um, 16 years later, um, I had an opportunity to go in full-time ministry. And I, obviously, I prayed about it. I... Man, it was a tough decision because what are some of the first things you think about when like, look, I, was, I was in the military, um, I was an E-9 in the military as a diver, uh, I was thinking about going warrant officer, and again, if I went warrant officer, I would have got a pay cut first because as an E-9 diver, you, you get a lot of extra pay, and so I was doing, I was doing, we were doing well, my wife didn't have to work, we were homeschooling, we homeschooled our kids and all those kind of things, and obviously, the first, one of your first thoughts is like, 
am I going to be able to support my family if I do this? And so, again, after a lot of prayer and consideration, like, why am I, why am I worried about this? Why am I, why am I so, like, wringing my hands together and, wor- and just concerned about, God, is God going to take care of me or not? I, I, I'm not having enough faith. And so I, when I decided to step out and serve in full-time ministry, I was like, I'm not really sure what this is going to look like. I'm not sure if I'm going to have to sell my house, my cars, maybe move in an apartment next to the church and get, get a bicycle and start riding the church. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm willing to do it. And because I'm, I'm giving up all, all the military uh, pays and security and um, days off and things like that. I'm just kidding, Pastor. I'm just kidding, Pastor. <laughs> and um, no, there's no four-day weekends in the ministry, I tell you that. but again it's like when i when i stepped out by faith and did what i thought god wanted me to do can i tell you he came he came through in an amazing way honestly we were better off afterwards than we were before can i tell you God owns everything already. If he wants you to do something as you step out of faith, he's got you. It's okay. Do it. He'll take care of you. Take it from me. Take it from the word of God. Uh, the Bible says, Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We understand as a farmer, the work ethic of a farmer, we don't do it for fame or glory. We do it for the cause of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly, abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You know, you, know, you, can, you can waste God's grace. You can take it for granted. When, when you don't obey and you're not faithful in your Christian life, you're, you're really just taking God's grace for granted. Taking the life he's given you to give him glory, and, and you're wasting it. And I don't know. God, God has a different plan for everybody's life in here. I'm not saying that everybody should go into full-time ministry. I'm not saying that everybody should be in the mission field. But I, but I have to think, there might be an area in your life where you could be more dedicated to Jesus. You could share your faith more. You could invite your neighbors to church. Um, but a lot of times we, we live in that fear. Um, we, we're, not, we're not real sure God's going to come through. We let the cares of the world kind of crowd things out. And we're not willing to persevere. We're not willing to endure hardness, hardship, um, like Paul did, like he's telling Timothy to do. But at the end of the day, he wasn't doing it for his glory. He was doing it for God's glory. We have to keep that in the forefront of my minds. He wasn't, he wasn't using his grace in vain. He was, giving, he was giving glory to God because he is what he is because of God. And we are what we are because of God. And we have the power in God to do, to do the right thing and to live for him and to give him glory with our lives. We don't do it, we don't do it for, glory, for our glory. And you won't be happy if you try to anyway. And then we understand although a farmer works hard, he must be patient. It says, let us, Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 
Yeah, I run into, I mean, I run into this myself, um, and I run, I run into other people and say, hey, I did this for God. I, I, I worked for him. I, I tried that already. I, I've been reading my Bible. I've, I've been coming to church. I've, I've been doing these things, and I just don't feel like God's doing anything. I don't feel like God's blessing me. And, hey, man, Bible says, be not weary and well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And at the end of the day, um, I've often tried to th- I've often tried to keep this in, my, in the, the forefront of my mind on my perspective when I live for Christ. If, if God did nothing in my life but save me, is that enough? Is that enough? So anything else besides that, that's, that's bonus. That's icing on the cake. And he, and he will, and he does, and he blesses. He provides. And those, that's all icing on the cake. Because, look, if you're saved, if you're here tonight and you're born again, Hey, look, you got a home in heaven. You got something to look forward to. What's the worst man can do to you? Take your life? Okay. That's fine. I'll be better off. I mean, Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is that our perspective? Are we willing to persevere like that? Are we willing to keep that in the forefront of our minds? Lastly, verse 7, to keep the right perspective, Paul says, we need to consider these three occupations. He says, the need, uh, the need for perseverance is required for success in the Lord's work. But as we consider these things, the Lord will give a discernment how to apply them. I often go back to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 was kind of one of the first um, family Bible verses that we learned together. Uh, just because it talks about God's word, and I love verses on God's word. It says, this book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. What does it say? Day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all is written therein, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And I, I really pulled this verse because it talks about meditating on God's word. Do we meditate on these thoughts? Do we, do we just run through God's word and go, got my Bible reading in, check, boom. I mean, I can't say I'm not guilty of that sometimes too, right? It's like, I got to get my Bible reading in today. Check, okay, done. Let's move on. Next thing because I, I like knocking things out on a list. And, but do we slow down sometimes? And we, do we ponder these things? So we ponder God's word. We ponder what he's telling us. And Paul's telling Timothy here, hey, ponder these things I've told you. Things are going to get hard. You're going to have struggles. Uh, you're going to have hard times. You're going to have to endure hardship. But you need, to, you need to persevere. It's worth it. And God will take care of you. So to wrap up, how, how, do, you, how do you define success? How do you define success? Do you give up when things get hard? Are you willing to have the proper perspective of perseverance? Do you want that uh, to truly have an effective Christian life? We understand the only way to truly succeed in the Christian life is to keep the perspective of perseverance. The right perspective only comes by faith. Do you have faith? Do you have faith that God is who he says he is? Do you have faith that God's word is true? Are you willing to live by that? Because if you believe it's true, shouldn't you live by it? Shouldn't you do what it says? And what does it say if you don't? If people are willing to work so hard and suffer for worldly success that doesn't last, why do we give up when when the rewards are eternal? Look, we may not get anything here on earth. Like I said, we're our 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 fate is sealed. If if you're saved, you're saved. You're going to heaven. We may not get anything here. You may have to persevere. You may have to toil in your life. Things may not be, ever be easy, but that's okay. 
hey, you know what we're doing? We're storing treasure in heaven. We have eternal rewards. How much more of those eternal rewards than things that here they're going to burn? And last, we are called to pursue excellence in the Christian life. Don't settle for mediocrity. God, God can do more than that. Don't settle for that. See what he can do. Put him to the test. Have faith in him. Walk in that grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Rest in that. And do great things for him. You can. And you can see when he comes through. It's so great. When God answers prayer that you've been praying for. Somebody gets saved. Somebody comes to church. I mean, when you step out on faith and, and God comes through in a big way. I mean, how awesome it is to see that. He's come through our, our, he's come through our life in a lot of big ways. And you, you're never going to know in the big ways he comes through if you never take that step of faith. Take the step of faith. Trust him. Do it. Don't live. Don't settle for mediocrity. Live an effective Christian life. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 